This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And today we've got a special guest. Uh, we're also joined by Sean Anderson. I feel kind of weird, because I think I'm the only person at MVP who doesn't have a stupid catchphrase. Mark has dubbed them ease. You have what's up, what's up. You have hey, hey. Dave doesn't. Dave just says what's up, Dave does. I don't think Rankin does either. Uh, Yeah. So Rankin and Dave and I have to work on a stupid catchphrase. You guys got to get your catchphrase. I got what's up, what's up. Nothing stupid about it. It's (laughs) it's who we are. It's who we are. Without a catchphrase, you're nothing. I don't know about that. You're nothing. I don't know about that. Think of the greats. They all have catchphrases. Tom Brady? No, I'm talking about like personalities. <laughs> oh, the oh, okay. They all have What's catchphrases. Catchphrase. Uh, his how he starts it. Hello, Los Angeles. I can't do it as well as him. But, he but he's not always in Los up. Angeles. He is he would, now. He hasn't always been a great. If, but he's that's his thing now is what I'm saying. Yet. But uh, we got a jam packed show. Sean's on. He's, you're actually our first time. First time three person. Podcast and Ricky, you know what they say: you never forget your first. You never forget your first. That's I hope the I line don't. I love to say. But we got a jam-packed show for you guys after a kind of dud, kind of a week last week on the primetime podcast, only because the the games. But it didn't turn in. into a into a dud week. And that's, that's for what, sure. And that's what I like. Nickel State almost beating Georgia. You had Clemson. I don't know how they're so high in the rankings after how they should have lost to Troy. We're going to talk about the good games, though, some good four-ranked games. I just, I just want to throw out really quickly, you left out the biggest game, Which Oklahoma one? State getting upset. Uh, the, the game that I, I, I want to ask you guys this to start the podcast. Of course. And this is something that um, was on the Paul Feinbaum show. Should the NCAA be able to have the power to go back and change a call like that? No. I think you've never had that ability in any sport. It, it's the game that happens. You cannot. It, I think it would be completely idiotic to change a call after the game happens because you don't know what would happen if that change was actually that call was actually changed. I think I think it's too much of what if. If what happens happens, even if a team gets screwed. Because we have so much. Like we have people saying that they should have to go back and change it. That there was Mike. Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State said only Power Five refs should be at these games. What do you think? Should they should they be able to go back and change it, Brandon? Human error is part of the game. I mean, it it, it totally happens. It, it happens with it happens with penalty flags all the time, where they'll they'll, they'll throw a flag and mm-hmm. you go back and look at it and you're like, well, that they probably shouldn't have thrown a flag, can't, or can't or, then, a flag. or then you'll you'll go to it where I mean, we go back to a play with with uh, Torrey Hunter Jr. People said that should have been flagged. They didn't flag it. They can't then go back replay it and then say we're going to throw a flag now. You can't do that. So it's human error in the game. Well, for targeting, they can't targeting. I think they made that rule where you can you can go back and check if it was targeting and mm-hmm. then throw a flag there. I think. I think they've instilled that role, but I think maybe if if they do want to broaden that to where you can kind of check any penalty or check check any call, then maybe that would help. But then again, people don't want to slow down the game, and that's one great thing about college football is the fast, you know, quick pace of the game. So I think maybe you allow coaches to challenge anything and give them two challenges like the NFL. But I think I think going back and changing uh, a decision is just it's it's again human error is a part of the game. Well, and we are going to go into. Four games now, the big ranked games. We got Florida State, Louisville, Alabama, Ole Miss, the kind of SEC battle, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. And we're going to start with the ACC matchup, guys. This is to me the 
Not the most important game of the weekend, but this is the one I'm most excited for because not only are this is the game I'm going to be able to tell Seminole fans, hey, I told you so, when Louisville beats Florida State, but this is the match that has the young freshman quarterback in Francois for the Seminole to... The Seminole fans are saying he's the next Jameis Winston. He's going to be just as good as famous Jameis was for us. And then on the other side for Louisville, we have the sophomore quarterback in Lamar Jackson, who's been thrilling us with 13 total touchdowns in two games. I'm going to put it to you guys. Which quarterback do you guys like in this one to lead their team to a victory? I like DeAndre Francois, and I, and I like DeAndre Francois because – I, I think that it's it's more. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I like Francois, but I like the Seminoles more because I think the Seminoles are more of a complete team, whereas Louisville is more of a complete quarterback. I, I think that Lamar Jackson has been good, but if you go back and you look at how they score, they don't have him. They don't do well, and I think that with a defense now that they're going to face and a really good, I think, seminal defense. People would say, Brandon, you're completely wrong. Look at how they played against Ole Miss. Well, it took them a little bit to get going, but Florida State has been known as a, known as a team that needs a half to kind of get going. They were under Jameis Winston, that's for sure. Winston would a lot of times struggle in the first half, come out in the second half, play outstandingly mm-hmm. well, and then win the game. And do you want to see that? Not necessarily. You kind of want to get it going early, but I think that Francois is a guy who showed us what he can do in the second half of that game against Ole Miss. I, I was really impressed with him. I think he made some really good throws. I think he had a, a, a really showed a good quarterback IQ, and that's really important. I think there's again there's just more pieces on this Knoll team, but uh, not to say that the Louisville's not going to bring a really good I think game plan against them. Lamar Jackson's very good; he's going to get his. But how do you limit the big plays? We'll talk about that going forward. But I I, I certainly think in, in in answer to your question, Francois, I like better in this one. I would take Jackson just by because you you did kind of mention he is more of a complete quarterback. He is more explosive. If we're just talking quarterbacks, I think Louisville definitely takes this cake. I mean, I th- I think they definitely. Had the better quarterback in Jackson. I mean, he's putting up video game numbers here. I mean, the, what he did, almost rushing for or passing for 400 yards and rushing for 200. I think that is just insane. I know it's against Syracuse, but still, I mean, he he almost put up 400, 200, uh, 13 touchdowns already in two games is absolutely ridiculous. And the one thing we saw in that Old Miss game, at least in the first, well, in the first half, was you know. Big plays killed Florida State, and Lamar Jackson's a big play quarterback, so that's definitely going to feed into it. I mean, Florida State's obviously the more complete team, but Louisville, I think, with their explosivity, is definitely going to be a big factor in this game. Well, and that's the thing. I, I'm i on the side of I like Lamar Jackson better in this one, but it's not like one of those. Usually you go, well, who's the quarterback you like better? Oh, I like this guy. I don't like that one. I still like Francois on the other side. The biggest thing that I think is going to be a hindrance to the Florida State team is Brandon. Like you mentioned, Old Miss we saw it. We saw it a lot with Jameis Winston when he used to be on the Seminole team two years ago where the, the slow starts. You can't have that in a game where you're going into Louisville, into Kentucky, to play a team who's you know top 10, they're going to be looking to get into possibly the top five with a win over the number two team in the country. And like Sean, you mentioned big play quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So if Louisville could jump out to a big lead with some big plays from Jackson, doing it with both his arm and his legs, 
If the Seminoles don't get going quick, they may dig themselves into a hole they can't dig out of. And Louisville against Syracuse started off completely quick. First play mm-hmm. of, of the game was a touchdown for them. So obviously they are explosive and they do they are a quick starting team. Again, it was against Charlotte and Syracuse, but they still have shown that that, that, that ability there. Yeah, that's what I want to bring up really quickly. Lamar Jackson, 697 passing yards with 7 TDs, 318 rushing yards with 6 TDs. So that's 13 total touchdowns in two games. And I, I'm just waiting for him to be the leading receiver as well, just throwing it to himself. But here's here's the thing, is what you said, Sean, crap is what Louisville has played. Crap. Let's just get that down, okay? And I think that these are two actually pretty good guys who have a definite shot right now mm-hmm. at, at, who knows, maybe maybe a Heisman. Who, who knows? You could throw Francois into that discussion with the way that he played against uh, against Ole Miss, but, well, but, but take, that's the I'll but take that's his the numbers thing. overall. But too. that's uh, but that's the thing though mm-hmm. is that I, I think that yes, last week was was a, was an off week for for Florida State as well. I'll I'll, I'll definitely give that. Uh, I, I won't hide that. You know that was an off week. They won fifty two to eight. Uh, but I think that you look at the competition overall. Florida State is is the team that that's been challenged and they overcame that challenge. Louisville hasn't had that challenge yet, so I'm interested to see how they'll overcome adversity when it's placed upon. They haven't had that yet. No one has pressured Jackson. He's had all day to throw. He's had all day to run, and he's run all over everybody. I'm ready for this defense of Florida State, this null defense, to mm-hmm. really go at him, pressure him, and see what he does under pressure. I still think he's a good quarterback, but how will he be when faced with adversity of a team that really is tough? And that's what I'm excited to see. And one thing, though, I think that's really going to come down to the coaching matchups there because you do have Bobby Petrino, who is a veteran head coach. I mean, he, he proved in Arkansas that he, he was a decent head coach, even in Louisville, his first run, uh, that, that he can be there. He's going to need to be able to step into Lamar Jackson and, and be able to coach him through this because, you know, Florida State is going to be the best defense that Louisville has played. But last year, Louisville was close against Auburn. They only lost by seven mm-hmm. points. And with Clemson last year, they only lost by three. So, I mean, this team has been up against adversity, especially against good teams here. So I, I want to see how Bobby Bobby Petrino can kind of wrangle in this young quarterback. And I'm glad you brought up Clemson because I am going to say this. I'm going to make a bold prediction on the podcast like I usually do. The winner of this game is going to go to the ACC title game. That's what I'm believing right now. The winner of this game, pencil them into the ACC title game because I believe this. The winner of this game is going to beat Clemson. Well, Clemson right now, I, I think that you don't want to get too far off the path here of what we're trying to talk well, about. But, well, but, but Clemson, is, Clemson is so in such a funk right now. It's all Deshaun Watson. It's all Deshaun Watson. But then that's all Clemson mm-hmm. because a lot of people could say he's the team. You want to know? And, and, and do you want to know what I have to say? Cause go ahead. People do. Go, know. Go, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I'm kidding. They probably don't give a shit. But um, <laughs> here, here's the thing is that Deshaun Watson, it certainly is all on him. And he said that it's all on him. But. Why? Why would you not be having fun? You just, you just were in the the national championship game last year. How mm-hmm. are you not out there having a blast? You're two and zero. You have a chance to possibly go back there. You get your weapon back that you didn't have last year in Mike Williams. How in the hell are you not having fun? Seriously. I mean, this is a team that did not lose that much from a team that went to the national championship last year. You still have your head coach. You still have your star player into Sean Watson. You didn't lose that much. I mean, most of their losses were on the defensive mm-hmm. side, and this offense well, just— Well, Lawson and Dodd were the big two. Yeah, and and this just looks like it's very—a team that's unmotivated or just—they look lost out there. This doesn't look like the same Clemson team. I'll tell you what it is. 
I will tell you what it is. It is all, it's all Deshaun Watson, and it's ever since Deshaun Watson said, I'm not a dual-threat quarterback. Because if you look at his numbers this year, he stopped using his legs, and that completion percentage dropped below 60%. He is not the same quarterback when he doesn't use, its le- when he doesn't use his legs. It's like saying, hey, you know what? I'm a great painter. I can paint all the best paintings. I've got the best hands when it comes to painting. Nah, I'm not going to paint. Or I've got the best voice. I could go to American Idol, win it, no problem. Nah, I'm not going to sing. It's like, come on. I know that you're sitting there with this like this little thought in your head that there's some stereotype with dual threat quarterback, but you have a gift. Fucking use it. And one thing I want to bring up with this, too, is Watson You know, was talked about possibly being the, the top quarterback coming off the board, but mm-hmm. you, you see this in the, in the NFL draft I'll take Deshaun Kaiser over him. I would, I would too, just because mm-hmm. you know I like him better as a quarterback. But the thing is, is you know, you see this mentality. You, he's apologizing for negative energy, and he's only in college here. I mean, we saw him kind of handle the pressure of a national championship game here uh, last year, but now seeing this stepping out where there's not that much pressure, where you're going up against a team in Troy, and you still can't get it done, you still can't be explosive. I mean, we're, we're talking. We were talking about a guy in Lamar Jackson who's going out and scoring 13 touchdowns in two games, and you know, completely different players here. But still, Watson should be able to go out and be this playmaker and the star for Clemson. And the fact that he's you know kind of taking a step back this year is, is very worrisome, especially probably for for NFL front offices. Well, it's because and the whole reason I think is because he stopped using his legs. It would be like if in the NFL Cam Newton said, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to be a pocket passer. If Big Ben said, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to use my mobility to help my passing, and you see it in the numbers, the big one that speaks out to me is that completion percentage. It's in the 50s, and that's not good. But before we move on, I want to ask I just want to say guys, one more. Ahead, I just want to say one more quick thing about Clemson here and, and with Deshaun Watson is the fact that he came out and said, I mean, he was completely honest about it, is that a lot of the media – Stuff that's being said in the media and things like that and expectations are really weighing on him. And and I think that that's really interesting that he came right out and said it. He didn't say, you know, I just I just need to get my focus back. He he didn't he didn't he said that, but he said why. And I think that's really interesting. I, I think that what's what's really going to be the key moving forward is that he just does not worry about any of that. He has to go mm-hmm. out there and be the quarterback that he was last year. And he can do that. He just has to. He has to just block out what's coming up for him in the future. What people are saying, because guess what? They say that all the time. It's what they're paid to do. And how does he do that? He uses his legs. Because I'll tell you this: the only reason you were in that game against Alabama, you used your legs. But before we move on, I want to ask you guys just your final thoughts: Florida State, Louisiana. How do you think it's going to go down? Who's getting the Florida dunk? State and Louisville? Yeah, I was about Louisville. to say Louisville. Uh, I don't think people should kind of listen to my take my take my prediction with a grain take take my prediction with a grain of salt here because I am three and seven in our first two weeks of uh, college picks here. <laughs> what am I? Uh, you are uh, six and four. You're leading the pack here, Brandon. <laughs> you As and I you and figured. Rankin are six and four. Me and Mark are five and five. Dave and Sean are three and seven. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm, not, I'm I haven't had the best crystal ball yet, but I think it might be getting a little clearer here. Uh, I will go with the upset just because I think Louisville will be able to get out to a fast start. I think they'll be able to keep that pressure consistently. Ole Miss wasn't able to do that. I think Louisville will be able to do that consistently. I'll, I'll take Louisville. I'm going to piggyback all because of Lamar Jackson. Go ahead, Brandon. I say Florida State. I say that they they don't shut down Lamar Jackson, but they certainly 
certainly limit him from his seven touchdown performance that he's had in the past. Florida State's defense is going to come up big in this one, and Francois is going to be solid from the beginning. And this is where you guys tell us down below, who do you guys got winning? What do you think about the game? Also, for Florida State Louisville fans, even some Clemson fans that are listening, what do you think about Clemson? What's the big thing? Do you guys think you can go to the title game if you win this game on the respective sides? However, we're going to move into the SEC, the big SEC game. We've got number one, Alabama, going up against Old Miss. And I'm going to throw this out there to you guys. This could be the game where if we're looking at an upset on the number one team, this could be it. Because I'm looking at a graphic right now from the mothership ESPN. And last season for Alabama against Old Miss, they had five turnovers tied for the most that they've had in Nick Saban's 125 games. They had 24 points off of turnovers, second most in Nick Saban's 125 games. And then special teams EPA, a negative eight, the third worst in Nick Saban's 125 games. I'll be plain and simple. Does Old Miss, does Chad Kelly get the upset here against the tight? They have a chance, and that chance is if Chad Kelly comes out and plays like he did last year. 18 for 33, 341 yards, and three touchdowns and no interceptions. If he does not turn the ball over and is concise with his passes and reading the defense like he did last year, that's going to be the key for this. I mean, Or at the beginning of the Florida State game? Or at the beginning of the Florida State game, because when he is not turning the ball over, he's able to drive that ball down the field. He's able to be very accurate with his passes, and if he's able to do that, that's obviously going to help uh, Ole Miss's chance because last year, he if he plays the same way, I think he'll be able to tear up this this Alabama defense because he did it last year, and there's really no changes outside of Laquan Treadwell for this this and Tunsil as well for the, this Ole Miss offense. I think that Ole Miss here, if Chad Kelly is able to keep the ball in Ole Miss's hands, I think that's going to be the big difference here. I think the difference in this game is Jalen Hurts, and I think it's going to depend on how he's going to play. He's played really really well in the in the in the first two games. Started in. Uh, game number two, so he started last week. Week one, he was really impressive against UNC, but uh, excuse me, USC. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he plays against an Ole Miss defense that I think not bad. I mean, not bad, but not great. We saw what they did against Florida State towards the end in the second half. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's going to be the key in this one because it's it's going to be interesting. He's a freshman. He is a freshman, but will he play like a freshman? I think it comes down to him, and if he is going to get rattled or not, because we have to remember on the other side he's going to a guy who's not a freshman, a guy who has been here now, and, and a guy who, who thinks said he the is best the best quarterback, quarterback yep. in uh, the league right now, and that's Chad Kelly. I think it's going to be a really an interesting matchup, but I think Jalen Hurts is the X factor in this game. I, I agree, but I think the the thing that Chad Kelly needs to do is realize that he is the senior here. He he beat this Alabama team last year, like I said, 18 for 33, 341 yards, and three touchdowns and no interceptions. If he's able to step out on the field, keep the ball in Ole Miss's hands, able to drive the ball down the field, I don't think Jalen Hurts will be able to, to keep up with that pace because Ole Miss is is you know probably the best defense, probably a better defense than, than USC here. I think that they'll be able to rattle him more, and then with the, the, the composure that Chad Kelly has, because he's been in the situation before, I think that's going to be able to lead Ole Miss to victory if, if they're able to. I don't, I don't know if they will win, but mm-hmm. if they are going to win, that's going to have to happen. And I just want to say really quickly, this game is being played in Mississippi. So it's it's not a home game for Alabama, and it's going to be, be interesting to see, I think, for me, 
with my X Factor being Jalen Hurts, how the young guy is able to handle himself on the road going into a hostile environment. And it's funny because right now I'm looking at kind of the history of wins and losses for Alabama. Yeah, Ole Miss won the last two, but I kind of look at it never since 2004 up until 2014. It was all Alabama. All Alabama. And then the last two, Ole Miss kind of took it away from the Crimson Tide. But the last time Alabama was number one and played Ole Miss was in 2013-2012. Killed them each time. And Only like 14 total points in two years. And you kinda, you're kind of talking about like Alabama's been dominant you know, since 2004. They've been dominant this whole time. I mean, they have 11 I losses. I was taking a snapshot. 11 losses to Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 48-11 and 11 and 2 against against Ole Miss. So I think I think that Ole Miss will definitely have some confidence. I think that will definitely play into the factor here. I think Chad Kelly's experience will definitely play into it. But then again, well, this he's is still put Alabama. Up. He has to put up because there's one thing. If Alabama, I think if Alabama wins this game, they're going to be primed to just walk right into the SEC title game. And I know people are going to say, well, Ricky, you're kind of crowning them. You're crowning them before you should be. But Ricky will on, crown someone new in well, three weeks. Crown see, right. Well, I, I look at it this way. Based on from what I've seen two games in, and this could all change in this week because I could see something different. Arkansas played well, but they played a one-point victory against Louisiana Tech, and they had to take TCU to double overtime. Guess what? Alabama's way better than both of those teams. Arkansas doesn't stand a chance. Tennessee should have lost Appalachian State. They started slow against Virginia Tech, got the win. Guess what? Bama's better than both those teams. They'll get the win. Texas A&M, they haven't, they've impressed me. I thought it'd be a lost season for them. That could be a close one. I got Alabama winning. And then LSU, LSU doesn't look like the team that we all thought they would be. I think for Ole Miss, too, an interesting stat to look at is Chad Kelly last year, 341 yards, three touchdowns through the air, ran one in, and that was extremely impressive and a big reason why they were able to get the win because Chad Kelly was so on point. And I think that Alabama's defense is going to do a really good job of taking away the running game for Ole Miss. So I think it's going to be all up to Chad Kelly to be able to make plays. And one guy he's not going to have to throw to, Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, and and one thing, again, with Alabama, I mean, I think if they do lose a game this year, it's definitely going to be to Ole Miss because Ole Miss, they, they kind of, I don't want to say they have the... The the the, blue, the the blueprint to beat Alabama, but they have beat them two years in a row. Mm-hmm. They still have Chad Kelly, who's probably going to be one of the better quarterbacks they go up against this year. And I think Chad Kelly, with the experience from last year, will definitely play into it. I think that's going to be huge for this game. And I think I think that if Ole Miss is able to get to him early and not turn the ball over, I think that's going to be huge for Ole Miss. Well, and the one thing that we haven't brought up was, I mean, look at just even last week for Alabama. They win 38-10 to over Western Kentucky, but we saw some problems with the offense so much to where Nick Saban looked to be getting into an argument with O.C. Lane Kiffin, and when asked about it in his presser the uh, Monday after the game, he, he let you know it wasn't an argument. It was a good old ass-chewing. Do you think that that kind of plays in and we kind of see a little bit, not like a domino effect, but maybe 
a snowball effect, I'll say, and that could be a problem with that offense moving into this game. They're professionals. I mean, this is Nick Saban who's been to so many national championships. I mean, Lake Kiffin was a former head coach in the NFL and and NCAA. I think I think that's going to kind of stay away. I think I think they'll be able to put it aside and and, and you know step up and and try to get this victory because they know that you know any personal beef can be handled outside of the game. Oh, no, but I'm not saying like they're kind of the little argument that they had because Nick Saban he'll fucking chew your ass out. If he seems fit, I'm talking about the struggles on offense that they had against the Western Kentucky. Do we see those same struggles Ricky, this game? Let's get real, dude. Fifty-two to eight or whatever they what they even win by. Was that the score of a different game? That was the you're talking about talking, the Trojan game. I'm looking at thirty-eight to ten, and you played the Hilltoppers from oh, Western Kentucky. Ricky, it doesn't freaking matter. They scored thirty-eight points. The other team scored ten. They won the game. That's going to happen every once in a while. But they, should here, they have killed this here, team? Here's what you're doing. You're making a small deal into a big deal. Don't do it because it's not a big deal. He chewed him out because he needed to. Oh, no, I'm not. And then he and, and this week it's going to be completely different. They forgot about it. The offense is going to have to work better this week. If not, then we have an issue. But and that's what I'm saying. Are we going to see? I'm no. not. I'm not talking about. The chewing out. Put that aside. I'm talking about the struggles that we saw on the field because this is a Western Kentucky team that arguably we were expecting Alabama to beat them by more than they did. Now you're going up against a tougher opponent, an SEC opponent in Old Miss. That's what I'm getting at. I don't think anything has to do with the stuff that happened last week. I think it has to do with more what happened with last season. Ole Miss has beat them two years in a row. Ole Miss went and went, well, it was yeah went into their house mm-hmm. last year, and Chad Kelly didn't turn the ball over. I think I think that it's going to be more about what you need to do about Ole Miss, and you got to put Western Kentucky out of your mind. This is the SEC now. This isn't Western Kentucky anymore. I think that's going to be the bigger thing here. I, I think you just put all all of that aside. I mean, even the USC game. I mean, you can get some confidence from that because they were a ranked opponent and you destroyed them. But I still think that all of that needs to be put aside because, I mean, this is still the SEC. You have to come to play every single week because th- this is probably the best conference in college football. Don't want to say that because Big Ten is still, still there. But, I love but, the Big Ten, but the SEC is pretty dominant. I, 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 still, I still don't think that there's any, any worry because guess what? Sometimes you go out, you have a, a rough offensive day, even against a team that's not all that great. Mm-hmm. But that's, that happens sometimes. You still beat them. And, and it really doesn't matter how good you beat them or how, how poorly you beat them. Especially, you want to have the bad offensive day against a team like that where you're still going to win. Now this week, you know what you got to do. You know what's at stake. You know this is a must-win game. And you could lose this one. Everyone knew they weren't going to lose to the Hilltoppers who had 22 <laughs> carries for 23 yards. But I think that this week is going to be a big one. And I think that that's when an offense starts to click. That's when you see, is this offense for real? And I think that's what we also saw against USC, which I thought was really good. Alabama played a really good game against them. This week is going to be a must-win for them. I think the offense comes out and plays really well. That's a sound damn logic from Brandon Swanson. I don't give that man too many, too many props, but yeah, that's some... That's some you know, that's some logic right Well, there. we'll end it just how I ended the FSU Louisville one. Who do you guys got winning? I'll give mine first. I got the I got the tide in this one. I, got the... I don't care what happened two years ago. Alabama's number one again. Yeah, they have a freshman quarterback, but that defense is going to 
hold strong and force Chad Kelly into some mistakes. I think Ole Miss has a chance if Chad Kelly can you know keep the ball on Ole Miss' side. Oh, like they have like a I've chance. been saying, yeah, but I, th- I still think that Alabama's going to be able to put enough pressure on him and force some Chad Kelly mistakes here. And I think I think that Alabama will pull out the win. I think Alabama wins, not easily, but I think <laughs> Alabama wins. And that's just not uh, Brandon's roll tide bias. He really thinks that they're going to win. No, it's not. Yeah, because I think this this <laughs> Alabama defense. I think they're going to show up. Uh, you know, this year as as they as they didn't last mm-hmm. year. I mean, they they struggled, and and that's the that's one of the biggest things is uh, there's there were some things uh, some lucky bounces that uh, Ole Miss had for them last season, but but this year it's just it, it's going to be different. Alabama does not it, it does not will not lose to a team three times in in three appearances against that team. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen against Ole Miss. Uh, Roll Tide in this one for sure. Well, and this is where you guys let us know down below. What do you guys think of this game? Who's going to be the bigger factor, Kelly or Hurst, on the outside for the quarterback position for both teams? Let us know down below who you got winning. We're going to move on, though, into our next game, the Michigan State Spartans against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Guys, Notre Dame, they started off with a loss, but... Arguably, you could say, yes, Texas won that game, but if Deshaun Kaiser played from the word go, could have been a very different game for the Irish. Kaiser looked good in Week 2. We get to see him again Week 3. He is the quarterback. Is he going to bring Notre Dame back to the limelight, although they lost Week 1? Kaiser hasn't looked bad. Ever, I, I mean, Kaiser's been a great co- starting quarterback for ND. There was the reason he was one of the reasons why they were so great last year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in that Texas game, it wasn't like he played poorly. It was just piss poor coaching. From yeah, it was. The, that's Kelly. what I'm saying. The two quarterback yeah. system put him behind. Deshaun Kaiser should have been the quarterback no matter what. I don't care what Zaire brings to the table. I mean, I mean Kaiser was the clear cut quarterback here. I think this is Kaiser's game to lose, to be honest with you. I think Kaiser is going to be motivated to stay the clear-cut quarterback here. And Brian Kelly, he did lose his first game. It was that crazy, uh, the first game he did lose to Michigan State, that was that crazy fake field goal play there. But ever since then, he's been 3-0 and against uh, the Sparty here. And I think that Kaiser will be motivated. I think that Brian Kelly doesn't have the, the blueprint because I don't think any has, anyone has a blueprint to beat Michigan State. But I think, I think that he can definitely be uh, the motivating factor here to get his team over. And I think this is kind of Notre Dame's you know, game to lose here because if they lose this game, they're basically out of college football playoff contention. Are they, though? Yes. Because there has been talk, like, even after week one and teams lost, people were saying, hey, you know what? We could have a two-loss college team in the playoff this year. It would, it would have to be completely insane for them to be able to make it, for any team, really, to be able to make it with two losses. Could it happen? Sure. Anything can happen in college football, and it does eventually. But uh, it I, it would be so hard. And and the one thing too is if they lose two games to ranked opponents, and they and they end up beating Stanford. Like let's say they run the table if they if they lose to Michigan State, mm-hmm. they run the table, they beat Stanford. They only have you know probably two wins over ranked opponents and two losses to ranked opponents, and they'll beat Stanford and, and, and Miami if they do run the table. But outside of that, they won't have a key you know a key victory here. They won't have like a, a very a, a victory that kind of jumps out here unless Stanford stays undefeated. I think I think that you know they they need to win this to get a marquee win and be like, well, see, we beat a Big Ten opponent and that Texas game was really close. It's not like we lost to Texas mm-hmm. in a close game and then we lost to Michigan State only two weeks later. I think that uh, Notre Dame in this one, it, it's it's going to be critical for them to get the win. I, I really like what I, I've seen from Kaiser though. I think that it's been he's been very effective, and and I loved I actually loved what I saw in Game One against Texas. They weren't able to get the win because Texas really came with a, a good offense and 
Bouchelle, again, you know, I, we talked about him already, but it, very impressive. I mean, very don't forget impressive. swoops on the goal line, the 18 uh, of wheeler course, formation. The 18 wheeler. <laughs> but here's one thing for, for Michigan State, though. The Spartans, again, they only went 28 to 13 over Furman. And this is kind of going back to the segment when we were talking about Alabama and Ole Miss. Alabama only won by 28 points over whoever cares about the team they played. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But this is that was the time for, for Michigan State to play poorly. Because now it's again, it's it's that time of now now we really it's sometimes very hard for teams. And Ricky, you and I have, have seen this, Sean is as well. Mm-hmm. whenever you're kind of watching a game or, or, or calling a game or anything like that, a good team, when they're playing a real, real bad team, sometimes they play way down to yep. that level. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see, I think, a lot of times in college football when they play such a poor team. It's just hard to get in that rhythm. It's hard to get amped up. It's hard to get going. And I think that's that's one of them. But when you play uh, in Alabama's instance, you're playing Ole Miss this weekend. That's huge. You're getting amped. Or, or Notre Dame playing Michigan State. You are getting pumped. You are getting pumped. You're thinking about it all week. You're getting excited about it all week. That's what you're planning for all week. Time to go. Is it good or bad then that Michigan State's had technically two weeks to get amped for this game? It's not just a, hey, like this week is, oh, it's game week. But all last week you're thinking, oh, we got we got ND coming up next. We got ND coming up next. I think that's good. I think that's good because you you have those two weeks then to really get focused, really get prepared for them. Yeah, I think that it, I don't know if that hurts Notre Dame. I think it definitely helps Michigan State. I don't know if it hurts Notre Dame though because well, Notre Dame still's got to come in with the game plan. Well, and, and yeah, but they were still pumped up to get yeah. to go against Texas. It's a rivalry I mean, game. If you're yeah. not getting up for a rivalry game, get out and sit on the bench. I think that maybe Michigan State has the advantage because they didn't play a team like Texas. They they did go mm-hmm. up against smaller opponents there, and, and they they might not be as bruised and battered here. But I think that Notre Dame. I don't think it's. I think it would be more of Michigan State might be pumped up because they had two weeks to get pumped up for Notre, Notre Dame, but I don't think that really hurts Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's still going to be ready to go, and I think they need to be ready to go. It's kind of like the 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 Louisville thing. If they, if they you know get out to an early lead and keep that early lead going and are able to you know keep away the big plays that hurt them in the Texas game because they were able to stop the the run for a little bit there against Texas. I think that mm-hmm. if they're able to stop Michigan State's running game and get out to an early lead and kind of put Michigan State down a little bit, I think that's going to be playing to Notre Dame's advantage. Here's what Notre Dame needs to do. Against Texas, Texas, seven red zone trips for the Longhorns. They scored on six of them. Nevada only managed 10 points on three drives in the red zone. Notre Dame has to be good in the red zone. They have to be able to defensively hold off, stave off these offenses. And even if you're allowing three points, much better than seven. And I think that's definitely what Notre Dame has to do. Defensively, they have to be there. They played down a, a team that n- not as good as Texas in that Nevada team. But I think that allowing 50 points in that first game, it was a very high high scoring affair. You could, anyone could look at that and say, oh, you know, Texas has a bad defense. Notre Dame has a bad defense. No, no the offenses came to play that day. But Notre Dame's defense definitely has to be better than that week one game they have to do better in the secondary that is huge they cannot be burnt as much as they were so defense is a big one but defense in the red zone is also a big one because of the amount of plays they they allowed and and the amount of big plays in 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 the red zone that that happened there and i think one of them is the running game they knew it was coming every time with swoops Mm -hmm. they knew it was coming they knew he wasn't passing still couldn't stop it you need to be able to stop that because what's michigan state going to try and do pound the ball 
What do you th- what do you take away from? I know you just mentioned the run game, Brandon, but I look at the quarterback. That's the position that I look at the most because it's the one that I kind of growing up. That's the one I always wanted to be. So I always look at quarterbacks. You got Tyler O'Connor for Michigan State. Tyler he's, O'Connor. Yeah, he's, he's a real been, Irish name. He's been with the team all this time, but this is the first time he's starting. And I gave you a little bit of my terrible Irish accent there. But Where? He, a little bit, just to go. I tried to put it in there. Oh, I didn't even hear that. No, I, I tried. I Taylor tried. O'Connor. It was bad. It was bad. But Sounds like what, you should be starting for the Notre Dame fight in Irish. That's what you get when you get a, a Polak trying to speak Irish here. Who are you? Irish here. Like, uh, I mean, O'Shaughnessy? Sean, Sean Anderson. O'Shag Hennessy. <laughs> O'Shag Hennessy. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to get to, this is the first time he's starting, well, this as the starting quarterback yeah. with no one above him, this is the biggest game he's going to start. It is, and he's going up against Notre Dame, who last year was a on top the road. team on the road in in South Bend. Prime with touch, time. With touchdown Jesus looking behind him. He's going up against <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser, who's kind of pushing his way up the draft board here. He's going to be he's going to have to be fantastic, and, and maybe they do rely on the running game a little bit more just because they will have a, a guy who's starting here. But you know, we also talk about that with Notre Dame. That might kind of push him away because we saw what happened with Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was Bouchelle's first game starting, and and he did fantastic. It might it might be more of hopefully Notre Dame realizes that it is his first game starting, but still he needs to step up and play like he is a quarterback that's been there for two years. And I want to ask you guys this. This is getting a little bit ahead, but it's because you brought it up and you said rising up draft boards. Deshaun Kaiser, I know we've only seen two games. This is going to be a good one. Do you think by the end of the year, are we talking maybe Deshaun Kaiser number one overall in the draft? Mm -hmm. Can he rise that high? Without a doubt. Without a doubt to me. If he's playing the way he does and doesn't take a step back, he's 71% completion percentage, 7-1 to one touchdown to uh, interception ratio. He's not the he's not a great runner, but he can still run. I love that completion percentage, by the way. Oh, I mean, it's fantastic. Give me anything it's above ridiculous. 63, I'll take it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic what, he's, what, he, what he is doing. And he's not a great runner. He's not a guy who's going to be like a, a, like a Cam Newton or, or a, you know, a guy like a Swoops who, or a, a Lamar Jackson. Who but can, he's going to use his legs to help smartly. his passing. Yeah. yeah. And, and and if he's the the big knock on him last year was his decision making, and it seems like he's tweaked a lot of those uh, poor decisions, and it seems like he's finally getting into the groove of everything. And and the way he played in that Texas game really just cemented him as as a guy who who, who can really be a star quarterback in in college and probably the M- NFL. What I think is is I I don't think that Deshaun Kaiser is is actually getting enough love. Because too many people I'll give it are, to him. I'll give him enough love. Well, I'm saying by I, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> by the, the damn guy. I'm okay. We could try to on set that up on the lips. We can try to set that up if you want. Sean. On Center the lips. Reps. Oh, on the lips for sure. Yeah, I kissed Tom Brady. Tongue, if you want to. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. But I'm a giver. Um, I'm a giver. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Everyone loves a giver. But I think that. What you have to take a look at is... is I wish is, this was a video podcast just so they could see Sean getting all giddy covering his face, but go on, Brandon. Is, is the fact that so many people are, are still looking at Deshaun Watson. So many people are looking at Chad Kelly. That's because of the, change. Because of, but it's because of the fact that they they kind of said, look at me. Look mm-hmm. at me. They're bringing this attention to themselves, to themselves. Kaiser just goes out there, plays football. And, and that's and, the kind of guy you want. And, and I love that. And that's why, yes, Ricky, I think that he definitely could rise in the draft. I think that people would definitely want him because this is a guy that just goes out there, does his job. Number Guess what? one. He doesn't need one, to though? talk. Number one, though? Number one, I don't know about that. Okay. It, it also depends on what team's picking number one. Because if, if it's, if it's, let's say it's, well, the, it's Cleveland, the, let's say it's the Cleveland Browns. 
They have no success, so they would go with a guy who'd probably be a little shaky. So they wouldn't go with the solid bet. We all know that. However, I'm going to throw this out there. This is a huge hypothetical, but that might be a controversial call because you know the last uh, Fighting Irish quarterback that they selected in Cleveland? Brady okay, Quinn. But Brady Quinn wasn't a good quarterback. <laughs> but still, we're going to talk about Two different about quarterbacks we, here. We would still talk about we'll it. See who our, we'll I see wrong? where it goes. We'll Am see I where wrong? it goes Am I wrong? But before we move on to the final one, what are you guys thinking for this one? I'm going with Michigan State only because I think that they're going to get it done in the end, maybe by a field goal. You're an idiot, though. Uh, Notre Dame's winning this one. <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser is a fantastic quarterback. Might be, you know, I'm probably showing my Notre Dame bias here, but he's probably the best quarterback in in college hey football man, right Golden now. Golden Tate ain't going to catch that ball running in the end zone and dive into the bank. No, because game. he hasn't played for Notre Dame in about five years. What, are you calling on Jeff Samarja, too? <laughs> well, yeah, he got it. Wide receiver. Yeah, he's, he pitch, he's pitching he in the MLB right now. He's pitching in the MLB right now. Giants are in playoff contention. Anyways, Notre Dame's winning by seven. <laughs> I think that uh, Notre Dame's defense is actually going to come up in this one, and they're going to force O'Connor to kind of be the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be able to in this one, and Notre Dame is going to get the win. Well, you guys down below, let us know who you guys got winning. What are you thinking about for this game? Also, I want you guys to let us know, do you think Deshaun Kaiser can rise to number one draft pick worthy in the draft by the end of the season. We're going to move on, though, to our final game we're going to talk about for this week, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Oklahoma Sooners. Sean, I'm going to kick it off to you first. It's plain and simple. Must win for the Sooners? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, if you if you go out and beat Ohio State, it kind of it doesn't take away the sting of the Houston loss, but it definitely kind of says, well, you well, know, it saves your season. Yeah, it, it's it's well, we beat you know a top team in the big five in a, a top five conference here, mm-hmm. a power five conference, and we basically beat you know the best team in the Big Ten. It's kind of up to, for debate, but if we go out and and beat the best team in in the Big Ten, that kind of takes away a little bit of that sting. It helps you get motivated. It helps you look better to these college. To uh, in the college football uh, play, playoff polls, so I think I think that I think that if Oklahoma wins this, it's going to be a huge push for this program, especially going forward. You need this win to me because of one thing and one thing alone. You don't have a conference championship, and also in college football too. I mean, that doesn't really play into the the uh, conference championship game because it's not a conference game. But with with this, is I think every game technically is a, is a must win because if you go mm-hmm. undefeated, you're be guaranteed a spot it's, here. It's not as bad when it used to be the BCS. You lose one game, you're gone. Yeah. Unless but- it's like everybody lost, then it became a crap shoot for who's getting in. The reason why I say because they don't have a title game is because what if at the end with the Big 12, and this is the only conference where this can happen, SEC, Pac-12, Big 10, and ACC all have that defining game. You versus you, winner comes out, sole possession of that title trophy. Big 12, you could have teams tied, and it's like, oh, you guys are co-champions. We've already seen in the past that the committee, and the committee could come out in, what, six weeks now and fucking change everything. Ah, Mm -hmm. we're going on total points this year. That's our criteria. Last year was conference championships, so that's what I'm going off of. You, you, because you know the nature of your conference for this season, you have to be able to say, you know what, there's a possibility that we need to win this game so that we can show the committee that we are worthy. What do you think, Brandon? Well, what I think is, is I think that uh, for Oklahoma, they they need to be able to find a rhythm 
early and keep it. And I think that's one thing that they struggled with against Houston is the fact that, I mean, it, it was the defense uh, of Houston, I think, but they it was also that special teams they, they play. They couldn't find they couldn't find a rhythm, mm-hmm. and and then they couldn't gain momentum. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a good thing would happen, a horrible thing would happen. A good thing would happen, a horrible thing would happen. You know, they couldn't get in that rhythm. They couldn't find a good momentum with that. And I think coming in against this Ohio State team, that's what they're going to have to fight to do. On the side of Ohio State, JT Barrett is the guy. They don't have to worry about, is there another guy sitting on the bench that's going to come in? No, there's not. It's JT Barrett. The and other it's, two and it's are his, in the NFL now. And it's, his, and it's his time to be able to take this team to the next level. And I think if he can beat Oklahoma after a game against um, Bowling Green and then Tulsa, mm-hmm. I, I think that you can say, wow, this Ohio State team, they're good. I mean, they beat the teams they were supposed to be. They they beat a – well, if they beat Oklahoma, it would be a team they were supposed to beat too, mm-hmm. technically. But it would be a team that they go, okay, well, you know what? They beat two of these eh teams, and then they beat this – Team, so that's kind of how I think you got to look at it. For for can you do Ohio- that, can you do that for me again? Uh, what kind of team? Because <laughs> they're Oklahoma right now. They're not an app, eh, but they're not an ah. They're kind of a. Uh, but but also Oklahoma is <laughs> probably the favorite in the Big Twelve. Uh, so I mean, if if they also go out, they and, were until Texas played. Well, yeah, but but now I, they're okay. You know, because Oklahoma State lost too. They lost to the Chippewas, so I don't really know if you could count them as a favorite anymore. If Oklahoma does go out and, and win the Big Twelve and or co-champions of the Big Twelve, whatever whatever it ends mm-hmm. up, Ohio State can say. We beat the co-champion of a Power Five team. Yeah, here. we went out and beat Oklahoma. I think this is. I think this is a huge game for Ohio State, probably more than Oklahoma, because I think it's going to be. Well, I, I, I'll flip that actually, because Oklahoma needs this win if they do want to stay in college football playoff contention, and, and Ohio State can still say we lost to a ranked opponent, but still, I think. I think Ohio State. If they get this win, it's going to put them ahead of so many other teams here because, you know, Clemson's fallen off here. They beat two mm-hmm. teams, but they should have beat those teams by a lot more points than they did. Well, it's like the question I asked you, Sean, during the last segment was, will we see a two-loss team possibly make the playoffs? My answer would be, yeah, I could see it, except for Oklahoma. Oklahoma or anyone from the Big 12, I can't see it. If they look good in the Big 12, if, if they go out and look phenomenal in the Big 12. If they 12 win every single and, game, but are they going to win every single game? And well, if they, they make up a three-loss team. It all goes <laughs> into that co-champion thing. If they get co-champion, they're done. Yeah. but They're I, done out of the water. Then you will get a big, like, you'll either get a big, like, Big 10 will then get in, SEC and then will get in. Then maybe, like, it opens the door, like, because you brought up Clemson, maybe them struggling, and even if they win the ACC, maybe Notre Dame can get Houston in, and then too. a Pac-12, Houston. Houston it can definitely be in there. I think this college football playoff race is, A, it's still wide open, B, it's not going to get any more closed until we get to the last week. The, these next three games for Oklahoma are going to be the true test of their season. If they go out and beat Ohio State, go out and beat TCU, who was, who was previously ranked, and on that's the kind road. of their, and, on, on the road, road and then they go out and beat Texas in the Red River Red River rivalry. That's mm-hmm. going to be that's going to give them so much momentum, and then they go and get a, get a break there with Kansas State, Texas Tech, and and Kansas and and uh, Iowa State. So I mean, they, if these are going to be the big three games, especially I mean, outside of a bowl game, if they do when they do go go to one, this is going to be the next big key three three stretches for them. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's like I've said with the Big Twelve, it's all about like. It's the hindrance, and I know some people may be saying, well, Ricky, it hasn't happened, so don't harp on it, but they're the only conference that 
can have a co-champion, which I think might happen this year, and it could hurt in Oklahoma if it does happen. But let's end this. Sean, we'll start with you like we did for the other three. Who you got? I will take Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the second-best team in college football right now. I think that Michigan might be able to, to take that sp- uh, step up if they're able to beat uh, Ohio State or at least be able to take the, the Big Ten title uh, away from Ohio State. But I think that Ohio State is the second-best team in college football. I think they're going to prove that because they, uh, o- Oklahoma will not be able to create a balanced attack against Ohio State. And I think JP, JT Barrett will be able to step up big for Ohio State. Oklahoma loses a huge wide receiver in Sterling Shepard who caught his first NFL touchdown this past weekend against the Dallas Cowboys, or some would call the Ezekiel Elliott's. I, I think that... Who's from Ohio State? Of Def- course. Definitely not the Dak Prescott's. Uh, you would definitely not call him that. But a, a guy to look for is Mark Andrews, who has kind of stepped in to take mm-hmm. the role that Sterling Shepard was in. I think that he is going to provide a, a key, deep presence for Baker Mayfield. I think Mayfield helps the team get back on track. Oklahoma in this one in an upset because I also think that the the offensive line will be able to go and have some success some su- success and some success. I don't know what that is, but they'll have some of it. It's a great movie. And I uh, Sixth Is that sense. actually a movie? Yeah, the Sixth Sense. The Sixth oh, Sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Bruce Willis. He can see dead. Yeah, people. no, I thought. You said, yeah. I thought it was a different word. Some with a little kid, he can see dead people. Yeah. Spoilers. I, I think that they'll be able to to go up against what I think is an inexperienced defensive front for Oklahoma. Excuse me, for Ohio State. So I think that Oklahoma will be able to get the win in this one. It's not going to be easy, but they are going to be able to just pull away at the end to get the victory, it's probably anywhere within three to seven points. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Sean. I think that Urban Meyer's the better coach in this one. JT Barrett's the more, I'm going to say, explosive quarterback. Going to go with Ohio State. I think it's going to be a big game. This is the nail in the Sooner coffin. End of the season. You're not making the playoffs all because of this game. I think the four other games we talked about in Notre Dame, that, that's going to be a close game. Alabama, I think that one's going to be a close game because I, I don't think Chad Kelly's going to turn the ball over too much. I think even the Florida State-Louisville game will be close. I think if mm-hmm. anyone's going to be a blowout, I think it's going to be Ohio State-Oklahoma. I think I think that Ohio State will want to make a statement and, and kind of put Oklahoma down. Okay, and we're going to end the podcast. You guys let us know what you guys think. But to end the entire podcast, we usually do – Brandon Swanson's final thoughts or final minute. Is that what we've been calling it? Final thoughts or final minutes, whatever it is. Whatever you call it. However, before we do that, I got one rant I got to get in there because I didn't let him do it at the beginning. Your Huskies. It is my Huskies. And I want to I preface this by if you want to check out what uh, Top 25 I'm talking about, head over to the mostvaluepodcast.com. And if you want to check out what Sean's looking at right now on his computer, it's custom made t shirts. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking to make a, a North Dakota sweatshirt because I used to own one. It was very comfy, and I want to make another one. Anyways, get this to one's going to be South Dakota. Nope. And then the next one will be East Dakota, well, and the be, final one will be West Dakota. He'll have covered all of his. It's going to be North Dakota State, and it's got to say once on the back. It's going to say North Dakota because it's about their hockey program who brought out Jonathan Taze, Zach Bruze. Once on the back. No, because he went to <laughs> University of North Dakota State. Jonathan Wentz. Anyways. Jonathan Wentz. Anyway, he did go to North Dakota. Anyways, it's a hockey one. Yeah. Anyways. Let's get into what I'm talking about. Top 25 here. For some reason here, Brandon and Mark ranked Clemson at 5. Clemson, a team that almost lost to fucking Troy, Brandon, 
is five and apparently better than teams like the Washington Huskies, who have dominated terrible teams, but they have still dominated terrible teams. Wisconsin, who beat LSU, and I mean, LSU is still ranked in our rankings here, so I have no idea why that would make Wisconsin not better than Clemson, who almost lost to fucking Troy. For some reason Did here... Did they lose, though? They didn't lose, but Thank they you. almost lost to fucking Troy here, Brandon. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a blowout here. It wasn't like they won by 14. I'm saying that one's close. It was 30-24, and they had multiple chances to pull away. For some reason, that kind of makes me worry about a Clemson team that did not lose that much, except for Lawson and Dodd on the defensive side. That makes me worry a lot about this team here. And I know you know you got to base a little bit off of what you saw last year, but what I'm seeing right now, it's worrisome for Clemson. And a team like Washington, who's gone out and blow, blown out teams with Wisconsin, who beat LSU and then beat Akron and blew them out. Louisville as well. I know Louisville wasn't playing the best competition, but still blowing out teams. Texas has a t- win over Notre Dame here. I think that is a little bit more precedence than Clemson almost losing to fucking Troy. Can I tell you something really quick, yeah, though? Go ahead. Is that, is that they almost for- lost to Auburn, too. It- Last last play came down to is that for me when I when I take a look at at, at teams when, when I'm doing my own personal rankings that we do here at MVP is I I, I do try and take into effect the, the teams that that people are playing and I I I really find it very hard sometimes to rank a team too high against teams that yeah you're supposed to beat them by fifty so that's what I'm kind of looking at yes Clemson did struggle. And has struggled this season. But I don't think that there's any reason to bounce some teams over them that haven't really done anything other than whoop teams by 50 points when they were supposed to. So that's where I come from. You know, if Clemson has another struggle this week or in the next couple of weeks and some of these other teams don't and they they continue to, to win by the amounts that they're winning by, then yes, that's going to make, that's how I do it personally. And at least how I've started, and that's how I started out this season. But... I'm not saying that in a week, two weeks, three weeks, that Clemson hasn't fallen. Those teams haven't jumped them. It all depends on how they're playing. I think preseason and who I think preseason rankings kind of take too much. We take too much of preseason rankings into effect here because you know we we can see what they did last year, but that again isn't the same team. It's a, a whole different season here. I think that what we see put out on the field means more in the first two weeks and what I've seen from Clemson has not been good I know what they can do and that's why they're dropping to me is because they have not proven that they can still be the same team that made it to the national championship game last year I think that takes a lot into stock here because Washington they're a young and upcoming team but they're still blowing out teams Wisconsin I'll make more of a, a fight for Wisconsin I'm a Husky fan but Wisconsin beat LSU it was at home well it was on a neutral field but basically at home it was at Lambeau and they went out and beat Akron I know that's not a big win there, but they still beat them, and they still put them down, and, and they still beat LSU pretty convincingly. I still think that, that that holds more warrant over a team in Clemson who should be great, should be fantastic. It was fantastic last year, but then again, that was last year, and they're showing a lot of struggles here. That's very worrying me that they couldn't close out a game against Troy. And now Brandon's final thoughts, or is that good enough for your final thoughts? No, yeah. I want to I see his final thoughts, because this <laughs> looks pretty promising. No, so... Final thoughts. You know, we we saw our first NFL season of the year this this past weekend, week one, and the Detroit Lions were without Calvin Johnson. They will be forever. Megatron. Because he has hung up the football cleats to put on the dance shoes. Dancing with the Stars 2016, Calvin Johnson debuted on the dance floor, and they are... Now calling him after his performance, not Megatron, 
but Cha-Cha-Tron, because he got out there and Cha-Cha'd his, his way around the dance floor with Lindsay Arnold, who looks like a beautiful woman, and he is a lucky son of a bitch. But I, I think That's that code for I, Brandon saying, hey, give me your number. I want to. Here's mine. I never gonna happen. I want to see what I want to see what people think about Calvin Johnson's first first trip on the dance floor because he got a 26 out of 40 from the judges. It put him in the top six out of 12 stars. I heard. So Calvin heard Johnson also... in a, in, and really quickly, Ricky, seeing his face and that smile. That's probably <laughs> the first time he smiled in the last six years. I also heard that people ran onto the uh, dance floor to protest Ryan, Ryan Lochte. Lochte. Yes. I think that, real quick, I think that Cha-Cha-Tron should give the Lions a loss this year just because that is a terrible nickname. I think that's probably worse than we're beating gonna, the, we're the Colts. We're going to penalize the Lions for I, it. I think so. I think they deserve something. Also, I, I also heard in the, in the Ryan Lochte thing that people went out, stormed the dance floor to pretend to rob him and then say that they actually did. It was videotaped. Yeah. They pretended to steal things from him. They do broadcast this on ABC. They pretended to steal things from him so he could say that someone had taken something from him and actually have it happen. (sighs) Sometimes I just don't understand people. I don't get the reference. (laughs) You don't get the reference? It was a joke. I'll explain it to you some other time, but that's going to do it for the Maybe when you're older. Yeah, when you're not 10, as Brandon would call you. (laughs) But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast. I want to thank Sean Anderson for making his Primetime Podcast debut. Thank you guys for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was a really good time. You're welcome back anytime you want, unless, of course, we don't want you here that week. But uh, anytime (laughs) you want, though. Thanks, Brandon. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate that sentiment. (laughs) You Uh, bet, buddy. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast. Let us know down below what you guys think about anything we talked today you can hit us up on twitter those are in the description go check out most valuable podcasts on twitter instagram snapchat and on patreon at patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast so we can do more things for you maybe even some video podcasts in the future thank you guys one more time for checking out this podcast can't wait to see you guys after week three but as always have a good day everybody thank you for listening to this mvp podcast Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.